This program is brought to you by the Living Church Boise. This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. A covenant, by the way, is a treaty. It's an agreement between two parties, a pledge, a binding oath, and a promise. It says, I made a binding oath with the Almighty Living God. And if you read chapter 31, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, at least 16 times, he says, if I do this, then let this happen to me. And that's what a covenant does. If I don't keep my end of the bargain, let this happen to me. Um, uh, uh, we will look at the other covenants in the Bible real quick. But with Abraham, uh, quite familiar with believers, with Abraham, God makes a covenant. And it says, if I don't keep my end of the bargain, let what happened to these animals happen to me. Let me be cut in half and be killed if I don't keep my end of the bargain. And Job is 16 times is going to say, if I have done this, then let this happen to me. I'll give you a few verses. Verse 5. If I walked with falsehood, fantastic. If I walked with falsehood and my foot has hastened to deceit, let me be weighed in a just balance and let God know my integrity. If my steps has turned aside from the way and my heart has gone after my eyes and if any spot has stuck to my hands, then let me sow and another eat and let what grows for me be rooted out. Job is going to go into reminding himself and reminding God of the covenant that he has with him. He says, God, I made a promise to you, God. So if I have gone against my covenant, if I have actually done something wrong, if I have gazed lustfully at a person, if I have actually, you know, stolen from people, if I've lived falsehood, if I've lived, you know, an impure life, if I've lived a life that's not charitable, then have your way. Let me be punished. He says in verse 24, if I've made gold my trust, or called fine gold my confidence, if I've rejoiced because of my wealth was abundant, or because of my hand um, had found much, if I've looked at the sun, this is important, if I've looked at the sun when it shone, or the moon moving, uh, moving in splendor, and my heart has been secretly enticed, and my mouth has kissed my hand, in other words, if I worship creation, then even this also will be an iniquity. What Job is doing is he's trying to find intellectual closure now, by looking back at the covenant that he's made with God, because in change, he sees that people cannot be trusted, and remembering that doesn't bring closure, doesn't make any sense. He's looking at blame, it doesn't make any sense. And finally, he comes to covenant, and he says, maybe this will bring closure in making sense in why am I suffering. Job, he's trying to find some way to make sense, but Job is not the only one that had to keep reminding himself of a covenant in honoring God in time of suffering. The book of Hosea tells us that Adam was in covenant with God. And Adam daily was remembered, reminded of the covenant that he kept with God because it says that, you know, when God told uh, Adam and Eve that from your offspring will come the one who will crush a serpent's head, they begin to look at the children and say, could this be the one? Could this be the one? But then here comes Cain who kills Abel with the leg of a table and it doesn't go very well. Noah was in covenant with God. It says in Genesis chapter 9, in fact, when you look at the rainbow, it reminds us of the covenant that God made with Noah. Abraham was in covenant with God. You see that in Genesis chapter 12, verse chapter 15 and chapter 17, when God tells Abraham, I will make you a great nation. And from your offspring will come the blessing that will bless the rest of the world. And that's Yeshua, that's Jesus. David was in covenant with God in 2 Samuel chapter 7. What am I trying to get at? In each of these men, these were men of faith. Noah, David, Abraham, Moses, these were men of faith. And we see that God made a covenant with them. Please pay attention. Give me 15 minutes. We're going to close. God made a covenant with them, not because they were good. It says Noah was the righteous man. It says Job was the righteous man. But when you look at it, it says that Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. Noah found favor. The whole world was full of wickedness and every person's thoughts was always sinful. But Noah found favor in the sight of God. God makes covenant with people, not because of who they are, but because of who he is. So when Job is reminding himself of covenant, he's reminding himself of the character and nature of God. 
that God is not just blessing people because we're good, like his friends are saying, but God makes covenant because he is good. And if you look at Noah, this is important. Noah was a drunk, okay? In fact, the first drunk recorded in the Bible. Abraham was an idolater, and God called him, and he becomes the father of faith, which is crazy. David was an adulterer and a murderer, and God makes a covenant with him. Moses was a terrible leader. Moses also was a murderer, and God makes a covenant with him. In fact, God made such a big covenant with him that the people of Israel looked at Moses with such great respect that they challenged Jesus with Moses' sayings. I want you to know that God makes a covenant with you, a promise to you, not because of what you've done and who you are, but because of who he is. And the only thing that will bring closure in your time of change is when you remind yourself that the cure is in the covenant because of the nature and character of God. Am I speaking to someone this morning? And Jeremiah talks about a covenant which is exciting. And I'm going to bring this back to Job really well. Just hold on a second. Jeremiah 31, 31 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. So we have the Abraham's covenant. We have the covenant with Moses. We have the covenant with David. We have the covenant with Noah. And Jeremiah, the prophet, says, God is going to make a new covenant with his people that's going to be different from the covenant that he made in the past. It says in verse 33, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Are you with me this morning? Look at this. I will make a new covenant. I will put my law within them. I will put what is my nature and character within them. That's what a law is. It's the nature and character of the people. I will put my nature and my character on their hearts. Now, that's a problem, though. The Bible says that every man's heart is wicked. The only thing that comes from my heart is wickedness. So if God was to put his nature, his righteousness, his holiness in the heart of man, there has to be something called restoration. And we're talking about when restoration cannot be found. And Job is sitting in a place where God has changed him, sifted him. There seems to be no way he can go back to who he used to be. And God is changing him to a point because he's getting him past what was right to what is real. And to restore him to a point where God is willing to change his heart to a place where it's not just doing the right things, but doing the God-ordained things. And I wonder what God wants to do in your heart this morning in restoring you. Not just restoring you to what's right, but restoring to what's real. To get you past blame, to get you past bitterness, and to remind you of the cure that's in the covenant. And he says, I made a new covenant and I'm going to fulfill it. Now look at this. The book of Job is making me trip like crazy, okay? Because Job prays in pain and it turns what? It's prophetic. When you pray in pain, it's prophetic. When you pray in pain, it's prophetic. If you want a blessing when you're in pain, pray. If you want wisdom when you're in pain, pray. Because when you pray in pain, it's prophetic. Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion. He felt pain. And miracles begin to happen. When we pray, God doesn't answer. When we pray, we don't see miracles. When we pray, we don't see healing because we're not praying in pain. We don't pray in compassion. We don't pray with a deep, gut-rooted God, I want to mm, cry out to heaven like the old hymn. You know, I've been saying that. What a privilege it is for us to carry everything to him and pray. We don't pray that way anymore. So Jeremiah says, God is going to make a new covenant when he's going to write his law on our hearts so that we can, in pain, pray and see the covenant of God bring, bring the cure that we need. Job gets a whiff of this new covenant that Jeremiah is talking about. Look at Job chapter 31, verse 35. And dear God, give me the strength to be able to preach this because this is too much for me to handle. Jeremiah 31, 35. Oh, that I had one to hear me. And then he says, here's my signature. Let the Almighty answer me. I told you, this is Job's last, di- last conversation, last sayings, and he's going to sign his name to this. This is my signature. I'm signing my name now. End of story. I've finished my speech. I'm going to sign my name to this. Look at this. Oh, that I had the indictment written by my adversaries. 
says, let my accusers write out my charges against me. I'm going to go a little slow, okay, if it's okay with you. I wish that, he's, don't forget, this chapter starts off with he's reminding himself of the covenant. God promises they're going to make a new covenant. He says, I wish there was a way my enemies, the one that want to kill me, would write the charges of the accusation against me. That's my charges will be great. Just write it over my head. Just keep it right there. And then he says, <clears throat> surely I would carry it on my shoulders. I wish I had my charges written about me. I would carry those charges on my shoulders. And not just that. And he says, I would bind it on me as a crown. Now, I know I preach good in this church. And if you've been coming here for a while, you're ready to preach right now because you know the picture of what Job is seeing. Because the cure is in the covenant. And when you're on your knees in pain and God is sifting and changing and shaking you and you've gone past blame, it brings no closure. You've gone past bitterness, it brings no closure. And you don't want to turn into the accuser and you go back to the covenant and God begins to prophetically speak to you. He says, if only my accusers would write my accusation against me and I would carry it on my shoulder and I would wear my crown. And so here comes Jesus. I mean Job. No, I mean Jesus. No, no, I mean, I mean Job. No, no, I mean Jesus. You need to get this. Because in pain, he sees the cure is in the covenant. If only write the accusation, Jesus, King of the Jews, he will carry it on his shoulders. He'll be paraded through town, naked, criticized, ostracized, ridiculed, because people were fickle. One day they screamed, Hosanna. Now they're screaming, crucify. If only there was a Messiah who would come. Like, I know my Redeemer lives, and one day he will stand on the earth. But if, write the charges, carry it. He'd wear it like a crown. And then it says, I would give him an account of all my steps. Like a prince, I would approach him. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. And because I have gone to the Father, and I have written out the accusations, I've carried it on my shoulder, I've worn it like a crown. Now you can walk like a prince. Amen. You should be on your feet right now, praising God. Come on, man. I said you should be on your feet praising God right now because, uh, there we go, there we go, because you can, because you can go like a prince in your pain, into the throne room of God, because the cure is in the covenant that God fulfilled that he wrote through the prophet Jeremiah. The accusation was written over his head. The shame, your shame, your pain carried on his shoulder, and the crown of thorns was beat in like with a baseball bat, shoved onto his head, and they mocked him and said, you say you're a king? Here's your crown. Here's your crown. And Jesus, you could sit down now. <laughs> Matthew chapter 27, verse 37 says, and over his head they put the charges against him, which read, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. John chapter 19, verse 17, and they went out, uh, and, he, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. In John chapter 19, verse 2, it says, And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. What was Jesus doing? What he was doing was, he was making a way for you and me to be restored. He was making a way for you and me to be restored so that when you're sitting in your ash heap like Job, and you looked at how much things have changed, and you're tempted to blame, and you rebuke the enemy, you rebuke the accuser, and you go to covenant, and you remind yourself that God makes covenants not because of who you are, but because of who he is, and he reminds you of the cross, and he says, you don't have to carry your accusation, I have. You don't need to carry your shame, I have. And now, you get to walk like a prince. 
into the throne room of grace because I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. God is not just giving you the directions to get to the throne. He says, come, let me carry you into the throne. Let me carry you to the throne. I can give my son directions to get to the bathroom. Fair chance he's going to pee in a flower pot outside. (laughs) Sometimes as believers, we are like that. Okay, sorry to be graphic. Okay. I have five kids, four of them are boys. Fair chance that happens in my house, okay? I don't know. <laughs> Oftentimes as believers, thank you, yeah, you can play, yeah. Oftentimes as believers, we think we have the directions and we find ourselves in the flower pot because you're holding on to what is right because that's where the crowd is going. You have the name as a Christian, but God wants to walk you through what's real. And the way he wants to walk you through what's real is saying, let me carry you. Let me carry you. Let me take you to where you need to go. Let me carry you. You're carrying your own weight. You cannot. The cure is in the covenant. I have the accusations over my head already written. All your accusations over me. I have all your shame that I already carried. And now you get to walk into the throne of grace. Let me carry you over there. Let me take you there. And this is the challenge that God wants us to, as believers to have. Oftentimes, can you play I Surrender All? I'm making a request. I'll pay her extra for it. I'm kidding. Oftentimes, please listen to me. You walk past the cross. You walk past the cross to go have an experience. It might be an experience in church. It might be an experience in worship. But I'm here to tell you that many people in the church do not know what they worship. They do not know who they worship. They are so blown away by an experience. And it's okay if you hate me for saying this. Many believers are sheep without a shepherd because not once in their life have they actually come to the conclusion of saying, God, strip me of everything that I've known, everything that I've experienced. I want to know you and you alone. Oftentimes, our Christianity is so muddled and mixed with religion, with national pride sometimes, with cultural uh, baggage, with certain do's and don'ts that if you don't do it, you're full of shame. Your family will shame you. Your church will shame you. Christians will shame you. And God says, would you put all that aside? And would you come to me and say, God, I want to be real with you. And stop walking past the cross where there is the cure. Join us this Sunday at the Living Church Boise. Service and address can be found on our website, www.thelivingchurchboise.com. Visit our website for service time and address.